From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Wednesday, November 29th. We're now eight weeks into the deadly war between Israel and Hamas, and one question looms large. What is Hamas's goal, and who does it serve? The group has long been viewed by the United States, the European Union, and others as a terrorist organization. But a perception of Hamas as freedom fighters has been growing steadily. Today, international and political editor Peter Harcher on how Hamas has sold this image of itself to the world and what its goal has been since day one. So, Peter, as you've just written, many people now think of Hamas as a nationalist Palestinian movement that's fighting for land rights and justice for Palestinians. So how did the group gain this perception? Well, mainly because that's how they describe themselves. They do describe themselves, especially in more recent years, as a nationalist organization, as a pro-Palestinian organization, as a resistor of colonial movements, as a resistor of occupiers and, and imperialists. So that, that is in their self-description. But of course, it's also the fact that if you haven't looked closely into their origins and their beliefs, and you just see them attacking Israel, you could assume that they're, they are all of those things, just a, a, a pro-Palestinian resistance organization trying to uh, expel the Israelis from the Gaza Strip and parts of the West Bank. So that, you know, it's perfectly understandable that people have those impressions, but it, that would be misleading. And I wanted to ask you about the impact that the October 7 attacks and Israel's violent response to those attacks have had on the perception of Hamas. Has that perhaps helped fuel this perception of Hamas as a resistance movement? Yeah, absolutely it has. And they've leapt on the opportunity. That's, that's all their messaging. Let, let's talk about what they actually are, shall we? They started, they started in life as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood, which originated in Egypt in the 1920s, is an extremist, fundamentalist, Sunni religious group that uh, we have known in recent years by different names, including Islamic State or Daesh or ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda. It's manifested in many different ways in the Middle East in, in the last few decades. And one of its offshoots is Hamas. And its founding concept and its most important principle is, well, it's twofold. One is to assert itself as an Islamic and an Islamist organization dedicated to the use of violence to kill Jews and to expel what they call the Zionist entity, quote, from the river to the sea. And in their first charter, which they uh, issued in 1988, um, it was full of full of all this and was full of uh, sort of uh, messianic language about the need to kill Jews. It blamed Jews. It had all this pretty wild anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy stuff, including that the Jews had started World War One. the Jews had started World War Two, And believe it or not, Samantha, their charter in 1988 even said uh, that the Jews were behind other secret societies, including the Rotary Club and the Lions Club internationally. Wow. Anybody who's ever been to a meeting of a Lions Club or a Rotary Club, very, very good work, well-meaning people, doing lots of great community projects. It, it's the furthest thing you could imagine from a sinister Jewish plot to control the world. It's just ridiculous. But the really telling part of its original charter says, and I, I quote, 
that Hamas aspires to the realization of Allah's promise, no matter how long that should take. The Prophet Allah, bless him and grant him salvation, has said, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight the Jews, killing the Jews, when the Jew will hide behind stones and trees. The stones and trees will say, O Muslims, O Abdullah, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. So this is the founding charter. Now, Hamas cleaned that up a bit in 2017 because it realized it was looking, uh, it needed to appeal more to the times and it was looking a bit crazy, the original charter. And they took out a lot of the anti-Semitic language and instead inserted a bunch of language designed to appeal to the anti-colonialist movement in the West. And yet those founding concepts and the fundamental position that it refuses uh, any uh, legitimacy or recognition of the state of Israel and is committed to use of violence to expel Israel is unchanged. I mean, that's very interesting that it was founded with this idea of killing the Jews because in 2006, Hamas then experienced a dramatic change when it won the Palestinian legislative election in a landslide victory. So suddenly it wasn't just a movement founded on military action against Israel. It was actually governing over some two million Palestinians. So did this change its goals at all? Fundamentally, its fundamental goals, no. But what it did do, it transformed Hamas from just a, a guerrilla group of fighters and, and gave it the authority, the stature and the funding of a state, of a, a mini-state. The Palestinians chose the Arab world's first democratically elected Islamist government. It's called the Islamic resistance movement, Hamas, and its rise has appalled the Israelis. The Islamic Hamas West. party winning a majority of seats in the Palestinian Legislative Council. Key issues for the voters, a desire for change, and the perception that Hamas has the organizational strength to deliver social services and govern transparently. It gave legitimacy and prominence to Hamas because its governing activities are real and it has been responsible for administering Gaza and it has been conducting administrative and charitable activities in Gaza for many years. So uh, that all gave it standing and, and substance really, as well as giving it this terrific opportunity to use all of Gaza as a base against which to tag Israel. So that 2006 election really transformed Hamas into something bigger and more capable than it had ever been. We'll be right back. And I really want to ask you about this uneasy alliance, if you could call it that, which Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has long cultivated with Hamas. He has said for many years that his goal is to destroy Hamas. But actually, as you've written, he's actually steadily strengthened Hamas since his second prime ministerial win in 2009. So why would he do this? How has this served his interests as Israel's leader? Yes, and this this fact shocks a lot of people in the West who haven't you know, who don't follow Israeli politics closely. But it's no secret that from his second term as prime minister onwards, Benjamin Netanyahu decided that he would assist Hamas, even though at the same time, Israel and Hamas are waging a, what's been described as a, uh, a coexistence called violent coexistence. At the same time, he's been actively 
helping to build up Hamas. Now, this is no surprise to, to Israelis, but it's a big surprise to a lot of people in the West. The clearest piece of single piece of evidence is that from 2012, I think, to 16, he approved the transfer of funds from Qatar to Gaza of about one billion, that's that's B for Bob there, Samantha, one billion US dollars to Gaza. And most of that, not all of that, but most of that money eventually found its way to Hamas. Now, that's a pretty extraordinary uh, thing. And there's been a lot of Israeli agitation since the October 7 attacks. And it's part of the reason that, that the retribution against Netanyahu in Israel, in Israeli politics, is expected to be so fierce that he helped to build up this very organization. And to answer your question about why would he do this, what on earth would you know move an Israeli prime minister to feed one of its biggest enemies? The reason is Netanyahu's policy goal here was to stand uh, against any prospect of a two-state solution. So to kill that prospect, he wanted to permanently divide the two main blocks within the Palestinian uh, territories, one being Gaza, governed by Hamas, and the other being the West Bank, uh, governed by Fatah and the Palestinian Authority. So he thought that if I favour Hamas and I repress uh, and try to delegitimise the Palestinian Authority, I can keep them apart. There is no unified Palestinian voice. There's no unified Palestinian uh, representation at a negotiating table. And therefore, I can kill off uh, the the prospect of a two-state solution. And that worked. He did effectively kill the prospect of a two-state solution. And it's only since October 7 that that concept now has fresh uh, momentum and support behind it. But that is why he made this otherwise baffling decision to feed and nurture the monster uh, that Hamas became. And what about how Gazans themselves view Hamas now? Some Gazans have actually taken the rare step of publicly criticising Hamas for the October 7 attack and how it's left civilians exposed to bombing and gunfire from the Israeli army. Yeah, look, we don't have any um, opinion polls uh, of any authority by which to judge the question, Samantha, but we, we, we do have plenty of anecdotal evidence and plenty of on-the-ground reporting, which tells us that there are two broad responses. One, and it's, it's hard to know which is in the majority at the moment, especially as this is uh, you know, a, a moving picture, but one is that, uh, thank God, thank praise Allah that Hamas is waging war and killing the Jews and expelling, pressing our cause to expel Israel. The other that we see cropping up is anger at Hamas, drawing down all of this Israeli uh, military pressure and violence and the misery and the dislocation and the death that has come with the Israeli bombs. I just saw one, an elderly Palestinian man in in a hospital in Gaza uh, about a week ago, caught on camera saying, you know, Hamas, why are they hiding in this hospital? Why are they hiding in our communities? I wish they would go and hide in hell. So not everybody sees them as freedom fighters. There's a lot of, as you say, uh, frustration among uh, Palestinians in Gaza, understandably. And so, Peter, as a last question, I wanted to ask you about what Hamas, I guess, has accomplished, perhaps, with this war. We've heard from various Hamas leaders 
during this period that its goal with the October 7 attacks was to put the question of Palestinian rights back on the international agenda. It had seriously fallen off of it in the years preceding the war. So do you think the group has actually achieved this? And what do you think public perception of Hamas is now? Yes, I think it has achieved that. It's demonstrated the complete bankruptcy of Netanyahu's pre-existing position uh, opposed to a two-state solution. He was simply trying to impose Israel uh, increasingly and encroachingly on the Palestinians, and that has now been exposed as a complete failure. So they have achieved that, and the only workable solution, uh, which is now almost universally supported around the world and in, in political circles in, I think, Israel as well, is that there must be a two-state solution. It's the only long-term solution. Two states uh, living side by side with established and equal rights. And that is now back on the table in a much more concerted way than it's been in many years. But eventually, Netanyahu must return to what he has sworn to do, which is destroy Hamas. Because apart from anything else, he is its co-creator. He is its covert ally. He is one of the reasons it was so strong and capable of murdering Jews on October the 7th. As you know, he does have aspirations to be able to cling to power after this conflict is over. And if he has any, you know, any hope at all, he sees himself as having to demolish Hamas altogether. So as Hamas and Benjamin Netanyahu have sustained each other in power, it looks the more likely that the two of them are going to be losing power in tandem at the same time at at the end of this conflict. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining us. A pleasure, Samantha. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Julia Carcatzel, with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, Subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.